So this has been um, a, an interesting season in the life of our church as we have been uh, running this course of, of what God has for us in the future. Um, cleaning out has been um, challenging, um, and, and we have found all kinds of great treasures uh, and a lot of junk. And so, um, but there, there are some treasures like this um, that were painted uh, by Donna Coonley. Um, that were used as teaching tools. Um, and, and as teaching methods change and as, as our methods change for, for how we do children's worship, some of our need for things has changed. And so we were getting a lot of stuff. Um, and, and, but we, have, we are keeping a few of these pieces uh, to frame and put in our new building uh, to, to remember and, uh, and, and, and re reminisce on uh, some of those uh, days of the past. So I know, especially for the resource room ladies, um, thank you for all the work that you put into clearing out uh, uh, everything. I know it was really hard. Esther, where are you at? Thank you for your work and others. Um, Because 53 years of stuff to go through is, is a challenge. So, so we're going to keep this one up. This is um, John on the Isle of Patmos. Um, and we're going to be in the Gospel of John this morning. Uh, John chapter 17, if you want to be turning there. Um, there was a performance in New York City of the musical The Lion King. How many of you have seen uh, the musical The Lion King? Um, this is a popular one, especially with families. So when you go in and, and see this musical, there are a lot more kids in, in the room than what would be typical of a musical. And so there are kids, and, and they are all excited about the puppets that come out. And when I say puppets, I don't mean like Sesame Street puppets. I mean like these, these huge, huge animals coming down the aisles and things like that that. There's this one scene where the hero of the story, um, he, he, he says, sometimes I don't know who I am. And this little girl from the mezzanine cries out, you're Simba. <laughs> Remember you're Simba. Why are you asking who you are? And I think so often we forget who we are. Hi. Hope is in here from the mezzanine. In the Jones section, they have corrupted my kids and have taken them back to their section. So crying out, you're Simba. And we forget who we are, right? It's like we, we forget our identity and, and we need to be reminded because we don't know who we really are without Jesus. That it is through Jesus that we have our true identity. And without Jesus, we are missing something. We're, we're standing on stage saying, sometimes I wonder who I am. And so, so who we are, our, our identity as people, as a community of faith, as churches, our identity is transformed through Jesus. Jesus comes and, and provides for us a new way of being, a new way of living, a new way of operating. Jesus gives us new citizenship in entirely different places. That it's not about church membership. It's not about what happens on this stage or any other stage on Sunday morning. It's about Jesus. 
This is who we are and where we gain our identity. And so we are in this season of Lent as we are preparing for Easter each week, looking toward the resurrection. But to get to the resurrection, we have to get to the cross first. That Jesus first has to be crucified. And so as Jesus is preparing for this crucifixion, he gathers his disciples together in a room and says this farewell address giving them these, these final instructions, giving them these final words of encouragement, reminding them who they are, because he's getting ready to leave, and he's not going to be there to guide them any longer. They're going to have to figure out how to do this thing on their own. And so in this farewell address, Jesus brings them together and speaks these great words of encouragement. And then at the end of this farewell address, it starts in chapter 13 and it ends in chapter 17. And in chapter 17, the, the, the audience shifts. Jesus no longer is talking to his disciples. He turns his attention and he's talking to God. That there's now this time of prayer and we get to eavesdrop in on this prayer. We get to listen to Jesus and hear what Jesus is saying to God. We get to hear the prayer of Jesus. And so we read this in John chapter 17 as he concludes with this prayer. John 17 verse 1. After Jesus said this, after this farewell address to the disciples, he looked toward heaven and he prayed. So now Jesus shifts his posture, shifts his attention away from the disciples around him and is now focused on God. He physically shifts his posture to God. And he starts the prayer by saying this, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son that you glorify that your son that your son may glorify you for you granted him authority over all people that he might give eternal life to all those who have given him. Now this is eternal life that that they know you the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you sent. I brought you glory on earth by finishing the work you gave me to do and now. Father, glorify me in your presence with the glory I had with you before the world began. I have revealed you to those whom you gave me out of the world. They were yours. You gave them to me, and they have obeyed your word. Now they know that everything you have given me comes from you, for I gave them the words you gave me, and they accepted them. They knew with certainty that I came from you, and they believed that you sent me. And so, this is Jesus praying to God. He's not giving instructions to the disciples, he's praying to God, and he is, is talking to God and, and expressing how God is revealed through Jesus, that the people who have come to gather around Jesus know God because of Jesus, that their identity is revealed through Jesus. And this is his prayer to the Father. I have revealed you. I have fulfilled my mission. I have revealed you to the people. And so Jesus then prays for, for the community of faith that he is leaving behind. Remember, he's still addressing God. He's not giving instructions to the disciples. He's, he's praying for us. 
He's praying for us. He's praying for unity. He's praying for strength. He's praying for holiness. And this is what he says. I pray for them. I'm not praying for the world, but for those you have given me, for they are yours. All I have is yours, and all you have is mine, and glory has come to me through them. I will remain in the world no longer, but they will still be in the world, and I am coming to you. Holy Father, protect them by the power of your name, the name you gave me, so that they may be one as we are one. While I was with them, I protected them, and I kept them safe by that name you gave me. None has been lost except the one doomed to destruction. I'm coming to you now, but I say these things while I am still in the world, so that they may have the full measure of my joy within them. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them, for they are not of the world any more than I am of the world. My prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. They are not of the world, even as I am not of it. Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. For them I sanctify myself, that they too may be truly sanctified. My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one, Father. Just as you are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory you gave me, that they may be one as we are one, that they may be one as Jesus and God are one, I in them and you in me, so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. Jesus gives us this incredible prayer. This moment for us to eavesdrop in on a conversation between Jesus and God. And in this central section of this prayer where, where he prays, for the future. He prays for the future life of his followers. He's not praying for himself at this moment. He's praying for those who will believe, for the disciples that he has gathered around him, for those of us who will believe that message in the years and centuries to come. This prayer is for us. Jesus is praying for us. And he's asking that God will strengthen us. He's praying that, that God will protect us. He's praying that God will sanctify us. He's praying that the community of faith will be one and will be successful in their mission. Then Jesus finishes this prayer. And says, Father, I want those you have given me to be with me where I am and see my glory, the glory you have given me, because you loved me before the creation of the world. Righteous Father, though the world does not know you, I know you, and they know that you have sent me. I have made you known to them 
and will continue to make you known in order that, lo- that the love you have for me may be in them that I myself may be in them. Jesus prays to God that his love will be in us. His love is in us. And so Jesus is concluding with this this sense of urgency, this this sense of intensity. He's, He's addressing God on our behalf, praying for us, talking to his Father. And this conclusion shows God's love for Jesus and this plan for God to be revealed through the sending of his Son. And so this prayer of Jesus is incredible. This is is a a message for us here as we see the heart of Jesus. It's deep with meaning. It's, It's painting this picture, this beautiful, beautiful picture of Jesus. It's a picture of his love for God and his love for others, his love for us. He prays to God for us. And so when we listen in on someone's prayer, we hear what is of greatest concern for them. We listen in on their prayers. If, you've, if you've got, you have young children and you pray with them, and they pray about the things that are really important to them, right? Like making sure we have enough snacks or making sure there's nothing under the bed that's going to scare them at night. It's the really important things that they are praying for, right? So we get a glimpse into their heart. We're, we're praying at night with hope, and, and, and we forget one of the people that she wants to make sure that we pray for, and she starts remembering these names, and she just starts throwing out this, the, the, these names. And so it's, if I'm keeping the, the prayer short because I'm tired, she, she speaks up, Mama? Yes, we'll pray for Mama. Dada? Yes, we'll pray for Dada. Vanna and Boo? Yes, we'll pray for Savannah and Boo. And Mr. Matt? Yes, we will pray for Mr. Matt as well. And so we get a glimpse into the heart when we listen into somebody's prayers. And so we, we have here Jesus listening to his heart. And the thing that he spends the most time talking about is us. His church, his community. And he's not praying, saying, Man, I God, I hope that those people really can figure that church thing out. I hope that they can they can do it all right on their own. God, I God, I, I pray that 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 they, they might be able to, to, to survive in some way. That's not Jesus' prayer. Jesus' prayer is to protect them to sanctify them, to make them successful. And so what is incredibly encouraging for me in that is it is not on us to do it ourselves. It is not on us to figure out how this church thing works. It's not on us to figure out what unity means. It's not on us to figure out what mission means. Because Jesus, very specifically, at the end of his life says, God, be with them, because he knows we're going to screw it up on our own. That in our own efforts, in our own abilities, we cannot do church right. 
And so, God, protect them. Set them apart and sanctify them. And make them successful. God knows we need it. And so we get in this, this picture of, of who Jesus is, and we see, we see three things here. We see that Jesus prays. I think we forget about this very simple thing. Jesus is praying to the Father, and he's modeling for us this prayer. And so it seems obvious enough, and, and it's often overlooked, but this, this chapter is not full of instructions for us on how to have church unity. It's more about how do we pray to God? Because God's the only one that's going to be able to figure this church thing out. The second thing that we see is that Jesus has an interest in his followers. And through this, Jesus is glorifying the Father. Jesus glorifies the Father. We're, we're listening in to someone's prayer, and, and everything is reflecting back towards Jesus. We're listening to Jesus' prayer, and, and we get a perspective on his life, on, its, on his aims, on his, his accomplishments. We see his mission. We see his identity by listening in to his prayer. And as Jesus is praying, he's anticipating heaven, and he's eager for us to join him there. And Jesus shows us this complete and this utter dependence on God. And so we see the fruit of Jesus' Jesus's life is a ministry that glorifies God, glorifies the Father. Jesus' top priority is not the org chart. His top priority is not how many people are in the pews. His, his top priority is, does it glorify the Father? Are we glorifying the Father? And so the question for each of us is, is God glorified through us? In the places that we worship, in the places that we gather, is God glorified through us? And then finally, we see this picture that Jesus loves the church. He loves the church so much. And as we, we see this picture of Jesus, it should bring us such great encouragement. That he shows great concern for this community. He cares for us and how we operate as a church. He cares for us and where we worship and, and what we do as a people. He wants us to be successful in our mission. He wants us to be set apart from the world around us. He loves this community. And he is, he is entrusting the hope for the future of his followers, not to the church, because we would screw it up. He's entrusting the future of the church to God. He gives this to God. And so the future is not dependent on us, He's giving us over to God. And we are the community that Jesus is praying for. We are the ones that Jesus is praying for. The community's life rests and depends on God. We're not left orphans. And we're certainly not left to do it ourselves and do it on our own. And so as we gather together in this, this reunion Sunday, 
We look at the future that God has for us, not, not as Montgomery Church of Christ, not as a building, not, not as, not as a, a construction project across the street or as an interim location down the road. We're looking at the mission of God, which rests on every single one of us as his followers. And Jesus prays for each and every one of you that we will be successful in that mission, in glorifying the Father, making God known as revealed through Jesus. And so that is our charge for each and every one of us. We're going to transition to to a time of prayer, a time of of song, and then we'll lead into a a time at the table for communion. But if you would, go ahead and be standing. I want to invite you now, if uh, this is a time for us to pray for one another, encourage one another, Um, we encourage people to move around during this time. And Go pray with family, pray with your life group, go, go move around the room and pray with one another. If today is the day where you want to, to commit your life to Jesus, if, if you have not found your new identity yet because you have not confessed Jesus in baptism, we would like to do that with you this morning. And so you can come down front and talk to me, and uh, we have kept the water going. We haven't yet. So... The water is still good, and I think it might be warm, and it's certainly clean. So it is, it is good to go. But we would love to do that with you this morning uh, and make that confession together. Let's pray together, and then we are going to have a song. God, we thank you for the message this morning. God, we thank you for Jesus revealing you to us. God, may everything that we do glorify you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.